Hey everybody, in uh, today's podcast, we have Darshan with us, who's a senior product manager in PayPal and he handles the growth market. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Darshan. Hey, thanks a lot, uh, Krishna and Gilani. Happy to kind of uh, be here. <laughs> Great. Darshan, could you uh, tell our listeners about uh, your journey into uh, product management? Uh, sure, I'll probably start off from uh, where I'll left from college, right? Uh, so my first job where I started off back in 2010 was uh, with Cisco, uh, but Target was the first company who offered me a job. Uh, Cisco was the one I kind of took up, uh, which was the other offer that I had. Uh, in Cisco, I actually joined as a developer, uh, like pretty much everyone who goes uh, out of college. Uh, not much of a choice nor a preference at that point of time. Uh, you just went over uh, which company had the brand value at that time and uh, wherever you got the opportunity, that's where you kind of went into, right? Uh, so Cisco happened to be something that I ended up uh, getting into and the choice I had was again between uh, Target and uh, Cisco. Uh, chose Cisco given... Uh, they were actually kind of hiring for a new vertical called Enterprise Solutions, uh, which used their network infrastructure and uh, solutions around networking that they had uh, to build solutions around it, which actually seemed a little interesting. Uh, so uh, that's where I started off my career in a development role, uh, worked on uh, multiple domains, uh, enterprise mobility, as well as IoT. Uh, solutions like uh, Stadium Vision, which was an IPTV-based solution. Uh, typically, stadiums uh, in the West, as well as in uh, New Zealand, Australia, and few others, uh, have a lot of screens all over. And uh, the in-field experience, as well as the off-field experience, are equally given importance, where you have a lot of people enjoying it, sitting at the bars within the stadium and watching it, uh, as well as a lot of... Um, rooms within the stadium where they actually do it as a group event and enjoy the game. Uh, so basically what the solution did was uh, figure out which zones are sponsored by what groups and then embed the, uh, embed the live feed with the sponsoring as well as offers, as well as promotions that you kind of wanted to display and kind of build a revenue uh, generation for the stadiums. Uh, so that was one interesting solution I got to work. Uh, so Post around five years from a timeline point of view, uh, that's where I think uh, bumped into or uh, was talking with uh, Mukunda, uh, who is one of the founders, co-founders in Runner, and uh, was talking about how I was kind of wanting or looking for a change. And it was at the time when they had started uh, Roadrunner, which was back what it was called back then. And uh, we did have a couple of chats, but I wasn't very, very keen on moving until when I had the chat, I think six months down the line uh, when they were established, right? Uh, so that's when uh, one thing led to another. He was like, uh, see that you are kind of at a point where you would like to switch. So why don't you join us? It's, it's uh, we pretty much get back with a few of the others like, uh, uh, Chili or Nyanesh and um, Mohit and few others who are my classmates from back in college uh, who had started this. Uh, so yeah, I just took the jump over there. Um, it was an awesome experience and journey. Uh, got to meet awesome folks like Gilani and few others as well uh, as part of that journey. Uh, I mean, to be frank, uh, very humbling as well as uh, 
uh, very, very valuable experience that we kind of uh, picked up from Runner, right? I think uh, uh, it went all the way from exploring different uh, verticals in terms of uh, what you could do in a hyperlocal last mile delivery to kind of uh, going into last, last mile e-commerce to uh, even got into, yeah, I mean, I think we, we hired uh, Tiny Owl, got into the consumer space and then eventually got acquired by Zomato. And uh, yeah, though I was kind of uh, leading uh, one of the tech domains there, that's the demand portfolio, um, uh, kind of got to work or got to kind of involve myself with a lot of uh, product and strategy pieces and how they wanted to kind of uh, go into next steps with uh, Runner, given that uh, I kind of enjoyed working or I did kind of know these folks a little earlier as well uh, from my college days. Uh, so as and when uh, Zomato happened and it got acquired by Zomato, uh, that's when I think uh, I ended up foraying into building my own startup called Cheers to Work. Uh, I did that for close to six to eight months. Uh, it was in the co-working domain, uh, basically tied up with uh, restaurants, cafes, as well as uh, uh, lounges within Indranagar, as well as Kormangla. And then kind of offered that as a place for people to work out of uh, with a very different kind of a business model where you could pay up front for a day, week or a month, but have that completely redeemable at this player, at these uh, franchisees or these play partner places, right? Uh, the way I think the uh, model worked over there was I usually collected a fee from these places because I get them uh, footfalls in a lean period of time. Uh, thereby giving a win-win advantage to both uh, people who are using those services as well as those who are providing it. Um, yeah, it was at a stage where uh, there was a lot of interest and first-time users coming in, uh, but given how unorganized it was and some of the challenges in maintaining quality and uh, having the noise levels kept down and having them open up uh, early in the morning and things of those nature, I think uh, it became a problem with retaining customers long-term. Uh, it was at that stage where I was trying to see if uh, targeting uh, business development and sales folks would be the right way to go after rather than having just startup folks working out of this. Uh, that's when I kind of entertained a few other uh, job opportunities as well outside. And that's when PayPal ended up happening. Um, yeah, it was actually another I interesting... Think, uh, uh, I think uh, for a uh -huh. job that you started 10 years ago, you remember a lot. I actually struggled to remember what was I doing last month. So, <laughs> so kudos on that. <laughs> I think uh, the runner bit actually uh, took me through the memory lane and said, Yacha, okay, we acquired Tiny as well. Tiny well as well. Yeah. What, are the, what are the crazy things that we built? Uh, the e-commerce logistics bits and I think we sort of tried a lot of stuff uh, where we did the corporate ordering as well. So I think True. those were crazy times and I think in the end I remember we sort of ended up because we were in that phase where we were just trying to survive and we ended up playing a lot of poker. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so I think a lot of ups and downs like you said but I think everything that we ended up doing uh, I think it was a passionate group of folks and everyone were involved uh, there were no boundaries given uh, how close we kind of worked, right? 
so it was good. I think uh, towards the end, when we knew the acquisition was coming and things of those, I think that's when we did have to. I think we had more fun and less of work, to be frank. So I think uh, so that's I think where we. It was not the acquisition. It was not only the acquisition. It was either way there. either an acquisition or we were going to shut doors so i think we were in that <laughs> phase right now true true so, yeah and maybe very few people remained right so i think it those were tough times we were not getting our salaries for 3 4 months i think those were tough times so very small group left we used to play a lot of foosball then end up playing uh, uh, poker i think that was uh, mostly it. but then luckily yeah. acquisition happened so yeah sure. i think cheers to work uh, sort of uh, is a perfect uh, so i used to sort of tell dashan saying ki ha you found something that uh, you love and married it with work so dashan used to always <laughs> like ha ha let's go drinking let's go drinking so then dashan found out is like ha theek hai why do why do you have to go anywhere you can drink and work as well oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh, so i think that's yeah. how the idea got originated is it ai <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know. I mean, I think uh, for those who know me, like Mayank said, uh, or Gilani, which I'm used to probably uh, calling him, it's um, more of uh, I, I'm a person who is really outgoing and like socializing with people, right? Uh, I kind of uh, gel well with people and kind of like uh, knowing them better, or kind of building those relationships and friendships uh, as as and when we go and kind of uh, use that as well. uh that's where i think uh, like gilani mentioned uh towards the later part or just before the acquisition it so happened that uh, it became so frequent that uh, we ended up going into these places uh, as first customers uh, as soon as things opened up uh, we were there for lunch at these places right and that's when you realized uh, it's like dude these are prime prime locations with all of these awesome facilities but not a single person using it uh so there should be a better way to kind of better utilize these places right uh so that's where the idea of cheers to a kind of proved and then they uh, take a shot at it to see how far you can pull it and then while it didn't kind of work out the way it was supposed to or what i had in mind but nevertheless something that kind of uh, closely associate like uh, gilani mentioned because it was something i was uh, very passionate and i could take my connection with all of these places i used to frequent uh, very regularly to a next level of being a partner with them rather than just being a customer so something which i kind of uh, enjoyed got it yeah. and you moved to product uh, management in paypal is it yes uh so that was again uh, i think so like i said i think uh i it was at a stage where i was like i kind of was trying to figure out who my target segment should be once again for cheers to work and i was like why not just take up a job as well so that i can probably get my monthly salary as well which is always comforting right uh so i did give couple of interviews and paypal just happened to be something i just uh got through and uh, was lucky to get into it uh so there there was a role of uh, a technical position itself which i ended up uh, getting initially uh, but then a month into it uh, i people kind of knew the background i was coming in and uh, uh, the then director senior director who kind of hired me uh, also is involved a lot with startups and we connected really well and uh, he soon realized that uh, i might not as well stick a long term in the technical role that i was and uh, 
Uh, I was from day one also very much keen on what products they were building and how they were kind of looking at it and where they kind of see uh, the India piece of the contribution, which kind of managed billing, the recurring payments and subscriptions business, uh, what they had as a growth forward. Uh, there was an opportunity where subscriptions, while the market as well as economy was moving in that direction, was kind of left alone. Uh, so I made a proposal on how I kind of foresee taking it forward uh, with people like the idea. Uh, I had the meeting with my director. He was on board. Uh, he said, let's work it out. And then I had his boss, uh, who is Jeff, uh, visiting India the following month. And then uh, we spoke about it and he's like, uh, why not? And then it just happened. Uh, so that's how uh, PayPal subscriptions happened. Uh, it was... Uh, really good i think uh, because uh, it was at a stage where it was kind of ignored and there was no one looking into it uh, so i got the opportunity to run the ship on that and then uh, put up a business case uh, let them know what's the opportunity that's there before hand for us if you were to go ahead with it uh, get resourcing onto it and then uh, we built the first uh, product which i mean we did always have some legacy product lines with it uh, but not something which uh, it is at a, it was not at a point which was something that was relevant to this age in terms of subscriptions and what was required by the market. Uh, so it went with a whole new revamp and we came out with next-gen subscriptions as a product in the first six months that I joined. Uh, and then we consolidated all of the legacy into uh, this next-gen subscription product. Uh, so it was overall uh, $2 billion, uh, portfolio uh, once we consolidated all of it. Uh, once we built it, helped scale it across uh, various markets, uh, took it across verticals all the way from casual sellers to SMBs to uh, the large enterprise as well as partners. So that was a very fulfilling journey. And then uh, just off later, recently, I kind of uh, moved on and picked up uh, and started focusing on growth markets. Uh, looking at how we could take uh, everything that PayPal has, not just subscriptions, but one time, as well as the various payment methods, uh, which are both locally relevant as well as globally relevant into the markets and see how to kind of scale uh, those markets for PayPal. So that's how my PayPal journey kind of shaped up. Okay. Now that you, uh, you know, got complete exposure to uh, product management in PayPal, do you think you would have uh, looked at uh, the business model of Cheers to work differently? Definitely. I mean, if you would have asked me if I would have done it better, the answer is yes, uh, because uh, I have learned and grown as a person as well uh, in the past three years. Uh, that I have been associated, three plus years that I have been associated with PayPal, right? Uh, and then uh, just in terms of uh, what you can, uh, what you learn being with a big company uh, and the resources that they kind of can offer, uh, right? Uh, talking to Moha, talking to all of the great minds that you get to meet along the way. How do you price it? How do you position it? Uh, how do you kind of use those levers and drivers to kind of work to your advantage? and then see how you can uh, model it uh, for different segments in a different manner so that it makes it more relevant. Uh, so yes, I think uh, irrespective of whether PayPal or not, uh, three years is a good enough time that I'm sure anyone does get to kind of grow and learn more. Uh, so if I were to go back and do it, uh, yeah, I would have also, I would have definitely improved and worked on it a little bit better as well. Okay. Okay, so you're handling uh, growth markets, right? Could you could you just elaborate a little more on uh, what the growth market is? Yeah, I think uh, so. 
typically what you see is uh, how PayPal is structured as well is uh, uh, we kind of have uh, core markets, uh, which is basically uh, North America, which is US and Canada put together. And then you have uh, EMEA, which is Europe as well as Central America, the, uh, sorry, uh, Europe as well as uh, parts of Africa, as well as UAE and Emirates and things of those nature, right? Uh, and then you have Australia, which is the other core market that we kind of focus on. Uh, but uh, while we have been doing great and have a strengths in this region, uh, it's become important for us given uh, the competition that's come up in the fintech space, uh, which was not there basically 10 years back, right? Uh, which, is, which is where PayPal had kind of uh, enjoyed its advantage of having um, the network as well as strength across all of these regions and having those licenses and regulatory approvals to kind of operate. Uh, so a lot more, a lot, lot more uh, players have actually emerged in the fintech space and it has become challenging as well and competitive enough in the space. Uh, that's where it's kind of important to have a separate dedicated focus on these emerging markets. Uh, both in terms of bringing the uh, next million to billion users that we kind of want to get to, as well as uh, kind of uh, getting onto more businesses, right? Uh, so if you see the way we've kind of um, approaching this as well is uh, China is an important market for us, but it is highly regulated. Uh, we had a recent uh, uh, acquisition there with uh, GoPay, uh, which has allowed us to operate. So we are seeing how we can go there. Uh, given how complex Chinese market and regulation is, uh, though it is a growth focused area for us, it's a completely separate domain for us. Uh, but from a growth market perspective, which I'm kind of looking into or the team that I belong to focuses on is uh, basically Mexico, Brazil, as well as Japan, which is what we are looking at, uh, both from uh, getting market share in these regions as well as getting the uh, next set of uh, net new actives or uh, users onboarded onto our wallet, given that we are a two-sided network. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, sorry, Krishna. So, uh, Dash, um, is the job to actually uh, take complete PayPal to these markets or is this the extension of the subscription product that you are actually working at PayPal or DD? Uh, this is overall all all products, right? It is not just subscriptions. Uh, so yeah, so it's a little bit different because each of these regions have their own regulatory landscape and uh, the user's expectation as well as the expectation from the ma market itself is completely different, right? Uh, for example, uh, I'll take an example. So in Brazil, uh, it's a very uh, offline heavy or um, uh, offline or a cash heavy kind of a market, right? Uh, people are very scared to kind of share their details online uh, while transacting. Uh, they also don't like using credit a lot, unlike uh, people in the West, right? Uh, they, feel, they feel that if they use credit cards, they wouldn't have a control over their spend. So they're averse to kind of using it. Uh, so you have a lot of these local payment methods like boletos, uh, which is based like an invoiced kind. Um, basically what happens is as a consumer, you, you go ahead and uh, shop for a particular product and invoice is generated. Uh, you take that invoice offline and you go to these local uh, Kirana shops, like we call it here, 
or you go to your banks or all of these uh, retail shops that you have there and go and make a payment either through cash or through an actual uh, debit card payment and things of those nature, right? So that's popular. It's a very similar thing in Mexico, which is called as OXO, again, an offline mode of payment. Uh, having said that, uh, uh, the region itself, especially in Brazil, uh, the central bank as well as the country as a whole is trying to kind of capitalize on the pandemic as well as the digitization that's happening. And they launched uh, something very similar to UPI that we have here called as PIX, uh, which is an instant payment method. Uh, so there has been a lot of traction as well as adoption seeing, and then they're bringing in things like open banking, uh, which basically allows each bank to basically all of the financial institution to come on to the same page, allowing uh, or fostering competition and get more and more services to the consumer uh, at a very uh, competitive price so that they get the benefit at the end. Uh, so a lot of changes that are happening and that's where uh, we kind of see uh, the next opportunity coming, right? Uh, one other important stat in some of these regions so, is... So, uh, so sorry, should, uh, so, sorry, sorry. So, uh, in, so I think these are very great insights, right? So I think it's very mm-hmm. important to understand the user in the market before sort of getting in, right? So how do you sort of... Uh, uh, I think you're based out of India and the headquarters uh, uh, in US. Uh, so how, how does the overall setup work, right? Uh, uh, on how do you uh, do research... How do you figure out what needs to be built and who are the consumers? So that's the starting step for uh, to build any product or get in get into a new business and uh, do market research around it. So how does the overall uh, setup look like? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great uh, question, right? Uh, so I mean, I so as with any other user research, I think uh, uh, there are different aspects that we kind of uh, go ahead or do user research against, right? Uh, one is what you exactly called out. How do you figure out what the problems are in that specific region, right? Uh, the second one is we kind of uh, usually end up doing research in these areas where we kind of want to prioritize certain features, uh, depending upon how early you are into the market, what features you need to get into versus where you are with existing competition in the market to kind of see how you can start differentiating because you again don't want to be a me too player and then try to kind of have that same challenge of trying to see how you can acquire consumers from a competitors where you're not differentiating enough right uh, so and then you have the other things as well which comes in when we talk about user research in these regions is once you build it how do you figure out how people are able to connect to it and then how 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 easily are they able to use or understand what a wallet is and what paypal offers as a differentiation right uh, so I think since you kind of are more keen uh, with the question on understanding how do we go about doing this, uh, typically what happens is uh, we get involved with a senior researcher or researchers who kind of help us through the process of uh, developing on um, ULP or a universal uh, learning plan. Uh, basically what that involves uh, with any kind of research that we do, we have three stages. Um, one is the pre or the design research stage, the actual research itself, and then the other one is the post or the synthesized phase of it, right? Uh, so we concentrate a lot on the initial research phase of it to figure out what are the kind of questions that we want answers to. 
right? Uh, we don't want it to be really broad uh, so that you don't go and ask what is the problems that you're facing and what kind of solutions that you're looking for. Uh, we also don't want to go very, very broad uh, saying that we want to build everything for everyone, right? So you want to know what your targets that you're going after for. And then also uh, you, you do not want to start off research activities uh, just for the sake of it, uh, for every small thing. Uh, that's another important thing that you kind of keep in mind uh, because research, as you know, is a very, very expensive process. Uh, so whatever knowledge is already known because we have local presence and sales in those regions, we try to kind of already have that information ready with us, uh, how the competition is doing, what the market is doing. So all of that as well handy, right? Uh, so once we kind of uh, gather what kind of questions we want to go into a market, uh, the second step we kind of do is figure out uh, who are the audience or who, who, is the, who are the participants for this research that we want to kind of uh, bring in. Right. Uh, so this is very, very important. And basically how we go about doing it is uh, depending upon the question, we see what influences this question. Right. Uh, typically, for example, uh, if you were to take an example of um, how consumers in Brazil manage money or how consumers in Japan manage money and you want to figure that out. Uh, so some of the influential things that we look at is uh, what financial dependencies that consumers must have. Uh, what, uh, where in the life cycle or where in the age life cycle are they are, whether they're a student, uh, whether they're a working class population, retired per personnel or not, uh, what's their status, whether they're single, married, do they have dependents? Uh, culturally, is there nuances between different regions? I think even in India, we have a North who treat people uh, and people in the North who treat money differently compared to the South in terms of how they kind of uh, spend money on what they think is priority and what they think is not. Uh, so we kind of figure out all of these nuances and then uh, probably kind of uh, put together what seems to be a good demograph for us to kind of go ahead and interview and these questions. And then again, techniques of how we want to go ahead and do this interview is the other important thing which we concentrate on, right? Uh, because it's not a one, one size fits all. Uh, you cannot go everywhere with uh, putting out a survey for 200 consumers uh, or say doing a focus group um, or actually having a diary study. And it kind of depends based on the team that you're going after. And I just wanted to kind of uh, take a quick uh, example uh, with one of the recent researches we were doing, right? Uh, so I think uh, in Japan, uh, people are very... Um, cautious when talking about money openly, right? Uh, and especially going with a focus group in a region like uh, Japan, it's a big no-no uh, because in general, individually as well, people are uh, pretty much averse to talking about money and having it in a focus group uh, is a complete no-no, right? Uh, so certain sensitive topics like that, uh, which is very regional, right? Uh, similarly, any topics uh, probably yeah, if uh, another example that comes to my mind in India, if we were to talk about, uh, say, live-in relationships because OYO wanted to go and have hourly kind of hotel room bookings uh, in a focus group discussion with guys and girls, again, it's again a very cultural and a sensitive thing, which a focus group might not make sense. Uh, so that again, so some of these uh, sensitive topics are, say, uh, abortions or birth controls and things of those nature. Uh, so when you're actually having some of these topics, uh, it becomes uh, important uh, that we kind of uh, know what the culture or that region is comfortable talking about. 
so we kind of eliminate some of those techniques and we figure out what is best suited uh, for the team or question that you're going against. And uh, we go with the right technique uh, to get the answers to our questions as well, right? Uh, so just wanted to give you an example as to how we kind of eliminate certain techniques that we go after while uh, trying to get answers when doing user research. Uh, so just certain tips from uh, my learning and understanding of some of the uh, user research that we have done, right? I think, um, yeah, I think uh, one is like I called out, we should not be assuming uh, same methods kind of work from region to region. So you need to keep kind of uh, figuring out what's the right techniques as well as uh, what's the right, right kind of questions that you need to take from one uh, region to another, uh, depending upon where you're doing the user research. Uh, then uh, I've, pretty, I've often seen uh, qualitative research being done to kind of figure out uh, user preferences, right? Uh, it's like you get 10 people into the room and get them use a flow and then basically say, uh, let me know which one you prefer. Uh, so that's something which people should avoid. Uh, so you need to kind of be careful of knowing when to use qualitative versus quantitative studies to figure out what's the right thing uh, that fits um, you know, the analysis that you're doing right before you synthesis. And uh, last one, I think it is important as uh, uh, PMs working with uh, the user research expert in the team, if you have the luxury of one, uh, to understand where to use uh, these generic surveys that you send out, right? Uh, so these usually end up working really good when you want to kind of verify factual information. Uh, but if you have a lot of whys and wanting to understand why certain behaviors exist in the market or what's the reason for users to do certain activities in a certain manner, uh, it's highly encouraged that you kind of avoid using a generic questionnaire that you send out because uh, you wouldn't get the right signals for you to kind of basically arrive at a, a proper conclusion. Uh, so that's basically how we kind of go about and certain tips and learnings along the way and how we kind of go about user research or discovery in uh, new regions that we go. So, so Darshan, to actually summarize, uh, basically, so so what what my understanding uh, has been saying that uh, you sort of the company had some goals around saying ki which businesses or which markets they want to grow in. And that sort of trickles down to uh, the team saying, okay, these are the uh, markets that we want to target. And this is the, the business strategy is sort of clear. And now we want to figure out what is our product strategy going to be on what should be launched and uh, the things that you worked us to write on what works uh, uh, in that market, what is that feature or service that we should start with and uh, we should not become another uh, me too sort of thing and we don't want to become that one stop solution for everyone, you, you start small. So you basically start with a small uh, feature or a service which basically becomes a differentiator in that market you then uh, interact with a research team, uh, which basically, so is that team based out of, uh, so it makes sense to have that team uh, uh, in a local setup because they would understand the nuances and the user personas better. So uh, is that something uh, that is generally kept in mind or is it uh, say headquarter team uh, or people who work with you in India are, are basically devising mm -hmm. this uh, uh, research plan, which is basically the pre, you mentioned about ULP, right? Universal Learning Plan. So, uh, how how does that look like the research? Bit? Yeah. Uh, so, 
typically ideally it would be good uh, that you are uh, if you have the chance to travel and first hand listen from some of these consumers yourself given that you kind of own what you it you will get a better understanding and you can question and kind of clarify certain things uh, but if that does not happen what we basically do is uh, we end up working with the local team uh, usually you have your sales and customer support and things of that already set up which is required for locally running operations within that region right uh, so we we work closely with them uh, we also have a concept called as pmm groups with our product marketing managers which we hire uh, what they do is basically act as a, a conduit between what the ma- market expectations are or what is relevant in the market uh, to how the product is trying to kind of envision how they want to take things to uh, for these particular markets right uh, so we usually have uh, the design the designer uh, you have a ux research person uh, the product uh, the pmm as well as certain sales groups as well join us in order to kind of get to this pre research as well as design stuff that we talked about right where we figure out how we go about doing it and post that is during the research itself it is basically you your designer as well as a senior ux researcher who ends up actually walking through the process right they ask the questions and they kind of pull them back and figure out or make sure uh, we are not doing it in a very biased manner that we are trying to get yeses to all what we are looking for so we have someone who run that again this person could be locally there or it could be for a specific region and we do it remotely depending upon uh, the availability of people in those regions uh, so that's how we kind of go about and then once we have all of these information uh then we go into the synthesis phase which is post the research to come up with uh what the key takeaways and themes from the outcome of this research is and that basically leads to uh whatever the initial um uh what do you call it, objective of the research is how we kind of conclude it is how we get to it uh so that's basically how it uh, typically happens from a process or an execution point of view you learning got it so effectively it's a group so you have a small team uh, comprising of uh, uh, sort of people from different departments and you basically are responsible to uh, get the final output saying okay, okay this is what uh, this is what the group's recommendation is that the company should basically work on and then you figure out on who does what and how will the positioning of the product will be and yeah. then uh, you leverage the local expertise of the sales and the support teams uh, uh, on the ground right so so the recommendation from a strategy point of view might not be a one to one mapping uh, but it basically becomes as proof points to how you are actually kind of recommending the strategy right uh, because the strategy goes a little bit broad on where exactly we are and how much of effort is required and things there are a lot more variables that come in Absolutely. Uh, so we use this as the base to arrive at the overall strategy but this becomes this, an important becomes, piece uh, yeah this becomes a important part of the strategy and the output might be different based on certain uh, company priorities and parameters as you mentioned like the effort required the size of the problem that we are trying to solve for etc etc and opportunity and all of those things that come into picture yes yeah so how do you um, draw the boundary on the level of customization of the product uh, do you take it at a a country specific level or is it within a country you look at different strata of segmentation just like how you told in india uh, the way the spending in north and south is different so um, 
at at what level do you think uh, we should stop so 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 i think i think another way to put this question uh, out darshan is basically uh, it sort of goes back to how you are building a tech platforms right because uh, in general uh, different geographies will have different requirements and uh, it's sort of building a saas product for different businesses so if we assume that these uh, markets are actually different businesses and you're building a saas product for these business, uh, these uh, businesses so you generally have a core platform which is basically not changing uh, 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 which is uh, business agnostic and then you have certain customizations which are basically talking about saying okay this needs to change as per the market so how 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 does that actually uh, go in paypal and what are the key things that you uh, keep in mind while building these platforms yeah i think i'll kind of merge i think i kind of got how what both of you are looking at as well right and i think uh, uh, gilani you were in general asking how do we go about uh, starting with the base and adding customization and i think krishna you were more interested to figure out how we uh, up up to what level of customization do you keep going on for a particular market right uh so I'll, i'll start off from the basics of it right so whenever we build products we keep in mind uh building global products to start with right uh so uh, for that um we kind of have these base use cases uh which we kind of have a generic set that goes across and then something which uh people can uh, which we know for sure or we have a certain degree of confidence that these are the base sets that would be used across any given market uh on top of that you also have nuances right uh let me just bring out an example in this case right uh typically when we are launching products given we are already fairly uh covered in different markets it's a relatively a little easier for us going from one product line to another product line actually launching in different market uh, but let me take an example if we did not have presence right uh, so we go through a process i know bilani you touched upon this earlier on uh, when we start the program, uh, when we start the product we kind of figure out what what markets we want to start off with uh, say particularly the growth markets if we know that uh, there's a lot of variation that the regional markets require us to do and once we start off with the core markets um, what we end up doing is bringing in different people very very earlier on in the journey all the way from uh, your legal compliance onboarding risk right and all of these different stakeholders uh, into the process and then get those nuances into what we are thinking in order to enable this right uh, the reason i said paypal is slightly at an advantage here is because we have some of these processes built already so we know what it takes for a merchant to kind of onboard in these regions and depending upon the additional additional uh, onboarding requirements a certain product could present we just add that onto these pieces and make it available to our existing merchants right uh so we basically generally uh start off with the base product that we want to go after and depending upon the variations and then regionality uh one of the examples i'll probably call out here uh brazil is very very heavy on uh, e-commerce done through social right uh so what we are building to address that is the ability to sell one time goods as well as subscriptions uh through social media for example right uh, i could just create a product uh on paypal's uh, merchant portal and say this is priced at x dollars or uh, 
this is actually a subscription with uh, this frequency as well as this amount on a weekly basis. And then I could send that link out directly to a consumer, either through WhatsApp or through SMS or through email. Right. And once you click on it, you can complete the flow and you're done with the purchase or you're done with the subscription as well uh, without having a website that you need to build or having any online presence. Uh, so we do pick up certain nuances like this uh, based on the opportunity size that we have and the number of users that we can target. That's how we go about building customized features. While this might not be very relevant for a few other regions where they're not very heavy on social selling, right? Uh, it might be happening in pockets here and there, but it's not very relevant. Uh, so we don't go to the extent of uh, making this uh, very generic and making it available. We can basically phase it out and see whenever it becomes more relevant in other markets, take it to there. Uh, so that's how we kind of go about uh, building a products in general for the globe uh, with the basic products, as well as having these small pieces that we add as uh, additional uh, features or capabilities, which are this certain markets and segments. Right. So another example is typically uh, given different regions have different methods of payment that they prefer uh, to go on to kind of paying their subscriptions. Uh, for example, in US, I think it's very credit heavy market. Uh, so they prefer credit uh, and a lot of these cards um, that we kind of enable. Uh, but in EMEA, they're very heavy on bank uh, to actually make their payments, right? Uh, so how do you phase that out while we are actually launching US uh, with the credit card as well as all of the uh, networks that we want to kind of support? We do that first. And in EMEA, we have things like SEPA mandate and few other bank uh, that we kind of need to support. Uh, so that becomes our expansion plan and how we kind of go about kind of addressing particular regions uh, based on how we address going from one region to another. Interesting. Interesting. So, so uh, Darshan, I think, uh, I think uh, you mentioned right. Uh, the core is that you build. Uh, so, because PayPal comes with a lot of understanding and experience, and uh, it has been in the industry for so long. Uh, so now you're able to anticipate uh, and predict, saying, "Okay, these these are the things that can go wrong," and you actually build that platform in such a way that. Uh, the core use cases are uh, can be easily exposed or easily then, given to us. Yeah, and and if there are certain customizations, you can easily sort of uh, top them up on it. So uh, in general, how does the prioritization? So this sort of sounds very straightforward. Saying okay, a small change uh, is needed, but when you think of uh, from a platform point of view, PayPal is so huge that mm -hmm. and there would be a lot of teams that would be involved uh, and across the geographies, right? So how does, how do you actually manage by sitting in India, a small team in India, uh, interacting with people in headquarters and sort of trying to convince them saying, hey, this is something that needs to be done. And how does the prioritization and how do you navigate through the, or structure in general to get these things done? Right. I think uh, this is where it's uh, very important for you as a, a product manager to know uh, what the overall priorities or what the goals of the organization are, right? And see how what you are trying to propose or what you're trying to do fits in. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you are not all going in the same direction, uh, you're going to have a lot of challenges uh, getting that product to light, right? Uh, so, Basically, uh, so I'll take subscription as an example, like I said earlier on when I got in kind of uh, put in the business case for us to kind of go. Uh, so it's very closely relates to how we are trying to increase our share of checkout 
basically to get more and more consumers to choose PayPal as a payment method for any form of payment that is happening online, right? Uh, so be it your one-time payments or your subscription and recurring payments and all of those nature. Uh, so it kind of aligns to the overall goal or objective where you're going. So once you've identified that, uh, you try and figure out uh, what's the overall potential uh, for, uh, say, one year as well as a three year and five years down the line, based on how the market uh, dynamics are playing out, right? The macro factors. Uh, it, uh, so when I kind of got in, it was at a point again uh, where subscriptions was actually kind of picking up very rapidly, right? Uh, it, it became, uh, uh, and then as and when the pandemic came in, there's a lot more subscription players that entered into the market, and the, and and the pro, the actual prediction, uh, the actual market growth as well as the size uh, became interesting or comparable enough that it we needed to be a key player in this market, right? Uh, so you kind of put that business case forward, uh, figure out what your opportunity is, uh, basically in terms of uh, your revenue protection, be it your incremental revenue as well as the NNAs that you would potentially get out of this business. Um, we don't treat NPS as a very critical aspect, but we kind of track uh, transactions per active, which is actually, uh, which, uh, what do you call it? Probably kind of helps NPS in a certain manner because uh, if your transactions per active is more, your stickiness to your solution is also more, right? Uh, so we see how it kind of um, works across all of these parameters and see what the opportunity looks like and then present that with the stakeholders earlier on and then we kind of see how how big of this is an opportunity compared to rest of the initiatives that are there in the portfolio that uh, the other teams are also proposing, right? Uh, so we'd go through stack ranking as usual with any other uh, organization that is there. Uh, we do have cutthroat prioritization because there are a lot of ideas that come in. And then depending upon the merits, uh, how we are set up to being able to actually sell this as a complementary feature to our existing merchants as well as how it easily plays with other product lines that we are selling. Uh, the effort for us to get into market, uh, how far behind are we from a competition in terms of market share, all of these come in and you kind of factor all of that in the business case that you put uh, in. And I think uh, uh, Amazon started this six-pager concepts, which they end up usually enforcing. Uh, while we had not been doing it very diligently off late, that's something which we also follow while presenting the use cases or the business case of uh, how we want to go about kind of winning and what's the opportunity which is there for us. So that's how we kind of go about in figuring out where it fits in and then whether it cuts the line or not. Interesting, interesting. So I think, uh, uh, so I think most of your time actually goes into uh, preparing that case and, and, and thinking long term uh, in general around uh, how does sort of it uh, impacts the immediate market that you're trying to uh, solve for, but overall, how does it actually help the ecosystem as well? Uh, I think uh, a lot of uh, to and fro collaboration with the teams for prioritization and collaboration on why is it important. I think sort of spend a lot of time making a case around that as well. So I think it sort of deserves a complete podcast on itself on what are the key things that yeah. should be part of the six pager because uh, I think that's, that's 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 I think in general when we talk about product management, uh, people uh, and and I think listeners who will who are trying to get into product management they generally see the execution part of it but this is the hard work that goes into uh, yep. convincing people and I think in a small startup 
uh, you might actually go on a walk with your co-founder and might pitch this pitch up case and it would be easy but when you actually think of it from a, a point of view of saying okay a company like paypal or amazon if you want to get if you have an idea and you want to make a case for it how difficult and what is the groundwork that goes into actually build that case something which deserves a complete podcast in my opinion what do you think yeah, I think. yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah I think it is a very it's it also depends upon uh, what stage you are right because uh, uh, I mean for someone who is new into the PM org uh, they are focused on uh, the immediate ongoing uh, task that you need to kind of pick up and solve it and then keep moving on right because those are also necessary to keep running uh, what you are running in a more effect, efficient and effective manner uh, but as and when you as a PM kind of grow to those bigger roles and you take those leadership positions. uh you start focusing on what your uh, strategy needs to be one year two year three years down the line how do you start preparing cases because these don't happen in a day like what you said where in a startup where you can go down and say this is an awesome idea let's try it out and if you fail it fails right uh let's uh, go ahead you do ha- you do do that even in bigger organizations but through experiments and things of those nature uh but when you're trying to bring in a new business line or something which is a new product which requires a lot of investment not just by building it but rallying the entire organization around it right uh because you need to see how it fits into your overall pricing structure how do you get sales behind it how do you get pms behind it to start selling it uh how do you build those collaterals inbound outbound sales set up for it uh so there's a lot of things that uh, needs to kind of align and come about and everyone needs to be on the same page uh for you to kind of be able to successfully launch it so in itself it's a startup pitch to the ceo of the company saying ki, hey yep. please put in some funding to actually get the project going yep yep and i think the timelines in startups so the timelines from a paper point of view is one year three years and five years uh, that probably comes down when you are in say a early stage startup you sort of starting up uh, you probably might think of one month three months and six months but it's important to actually think a long term that lo- definition of long term might be different uh, uh, for uh, for different stages uh, of the company uh, but i think it's important to actually think a little forward and maybe uh predict saying okay this is how it might go of course it might go not it, yeah, it I mean, might it, not go the way right. you wanted but it's actually uh, helps you think a little more on uh uh the uh the design the in general the problems that you are trying to solve and i think of true. course documentation always helps true true absolutely i mean a lot of it is also <clears throat> dependent on the culture of the company right i mean because uh before even you take this idea to the management there has to be a lot of groundwork like you know what True. you were talking about the pre design and all that so you need uh you know commitment from leadership uh, to invest there so that you know you can experiment so uh, you know as you were saying mayank i think uh, that's a separate podcast we should have where we mm-hmm. dive in deep yeah. into how to get that done darshan uh, you know you're, you're in an environment where you have to work with different uh, people from different geography your consumers are uh, you know very varied so for a product manager who is getting into this new role mm-hmm. what are the lookouts that they should uh, be aware of got it yeah i think uh, just just like you put out uh, given the nature and how you operate uh, if you are in a global company uh, you would definitely kind of be working with various stakeholders which are not going to be co-located right 
so as a PM who is joining new, irrespective of what stage, uh, it's very, very important earlier on, you kind of uh, try to do two things, which is very important, right? Uh, one is try to understand uh, the broad spectrum of how PayPal is kind of organized and what are the different pieces that are there. Uh, so that it helps you understand how you are playing a part of a bigger uh, organization that is there and a bigger goal and a bigger idea and vision that is out there, right? That is one thing. And secondly, it also helps when you are building something, how else can it benefit other product lines or how you could reuse what is already there uh, to make a more holistic um, outcome for your customer or give a both bigger or greater outcome for them, right? Uh, so that would be one thing to understand the broader uh, picture as what is happening across as well as how you fit into the overall organization um, and how, how what you are working on is important as well. Uh, the second piece, is, which is very, very important that I probably would recommend is uh, to build those networks and connections across uh, because you are, once you get into the corporate world and once you're done with your honeymoon period of that first one month uh, where people are going out of your way to try to kind of give you kts and help you understand uh, after that you are you are expected to figure out who you need to reach out to uh, who can help you with this uh, where do you need to kind of uh, go to kind of find help on a certain topic and things of those nature right uh, so when you join in it's important uh, that you kind of start building your network and connection not just within your immediate team but also all of the other teams that work with your team as well as in general right uh, uh, approaching people who are in something which is completely different from what you are working on uh, just to kind of understand what exactly they're doing and how they're working on things of those nature uh, so those are very very important when you're working in a global org like this those would be my two uh, takeaways uh, krishna in terms of what i would recommend someone joining a global org which has a lot of people who you need to keep working with very interesting darshan basically make a lot of friends and build a lot of karma oh yeah it is important uh, because at the end of the day you will not realize it but for some piece somewhere you do need their help and support for you to kind of take it to a, a fruitful closure uh, because as you are aware as well, unlike a startup where you kind of own end-to-end -end systems, uh, that's not how it works here, right? Uh, you would be focused on just a piece of the entire puzzle uh, because just to take subscription as an example, while you end up owning the engine that runs all of the subscription, uh, you have the dashboard team, you have the admin team for helping them run day-to-day -day businesses. Uh, you also have... Um, uh, you have the merchant dashboard, you have the consumer app, uh, which you need to interface with. Uh, you also need to work with the partner teams so that they kind of can uh, bake it into their onboarding. They can bake it into their uh, uh, playbooks that they can sell out to their customers. Uh, so you need to kind of know how this kind of operates. The other thing is we do have two consumer apps now, Venmo as well as PayPal. Uh, so how do you enable subscriptions for both of them? How do you enable, given we are a two-sided network, to help them manage it both on their PayPal app as well as their consumer app once they go and sign up with their subscriptions on the merchant's website? Uh, so it's important, uh, right? Uh, and 
it's important you do get those connections built in. Uh, so they would ask you for favors and you need to ask them for favors. <laughs> and then <laughs> you need to have each other's back. And that takes you a long way, uh, actually, in these organizations that are uh, pretty kind of global and spread out, uh, Krishna. Yeah, I think and I think it comes so naturally to Darshan. So it would be like, how oh, OK, I to do that anyway. <laughs> I don't have to force myself to do it. Yeah, I think it personally helps you grow as well, right? Uh, not just from work, uh, but you get to learn a lot from all of these people. Uh, so that's something which uh, if you are PMs and not doing it, I highly encourage you guys do that uh, over a coffee or over lunch or just walking. Uh, you would be more, you would be surprised at how welcoming people are irrespective of their position, right? Uh, so just take that opportunity, shoot out a mail, ping, or just kind of block some time on the calendar and they're more than happy to kind of share uh, whatever they we want to hear as well as whatever they have to kind of offer as advice. So I, I think it also sort of widens the perspective as well because and, Definitely. and just, just to, I think it sort of helps if you're interacting with your uh, colleagues or people who you went to school with or college with uh, now sort of extend it to saying okay, okay internationally you are actually able to speak to a lot of people and understand their culture and their perspectives it sort of helps you uh, broaden your perspective and i think it helps and and it's it's so it's valuable in your day-to-day -day job as a pm as well because that's you have to uh, understand all perspectives as well. absolutely interesting interesting uh yeah, I think uh, Darshan has uh, given us an idea of uh, having some more uh, specific podcasts, um, you know, covering various <laughs> topics and one of them being how to influence people and, you know, take people along. Oh, yeah, I think how to that, uh, yeah, that becomes a very critical, uh, uh, what you call, uh, arsenal in your bag, right? I think uh, as you kind of grow, it's important. Uh, I mean, knowing people helps you up to a certain point. Uh, but how do you kind of uh, influence and bring all of them on the same page is something that you definitely need to also pick up. So, yeah, it's a very critical uh, skill that you need to definitely pick up as you grow along. So thanks a lot, uh, Darshan, for uh, taking your time and uh, joining here. It was very helpful and I'm sure all our listeners would also find it very uh, informative. I kind of uh, love kind of sharing all of my learnings and I'm associated with few other folks like product school, which I recently did uh, one of my, one of the sessions on AP, how to build a world-class API products. Uh, so happy to kind of share that link across as well with you guys uh, in case you are interested and feel free to connect with me over LinkedIn or Gmail, which I can share um, in case you guys have any questions or follow up on this topic or any other topic with product management. Great. So I will leave uh, all the links in the show description for people to reach out to you. Perfect. Sounds great. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you guys uh, and uh, great kind of knowing a little bit more about you, Krishna and uh, Gilani. Anyways, uh, we do keep in touch. Uh, yeah. Thanks again for having me on the podcast. If you like this podcast, then do share it and you can reach out to us at productmanagement0100 at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at PM underscore journey. Thank you very much.